0: Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Hello everybody. Hello. Um, I am smaller today. I'm skinnier today uh, because, and and I'm not sure that this is going to work, but I'm trying it. I'm I'm doing this class on my tablet um, because I'm traveling and I should have brought my laptop, but I uh, I'm doing a wedding today and I'm up in San Francisco and I thought, oh, I'll I'll just bring my tablet. That's all I'll need. And then I remembered that I that I plan to do this class beforehand. So please forgive any technical difficulties that we will. Yeah, Matt says to turn it sideways, but it's worse that way.
1: Yeah, look, cause
0: it's like, then I'm not looking at you. There's something with, it. you like, you prefer this? You all prefer this?
2: It's perfect,
0: okay. wonderful. Okay, fine. So we'll do it this way, we'll do it this way, that's fine. Just um,
2: tilt it a little bit so we can, yeah, it's... that's it, that's it.
0: Good morning. What a morning. All right. This is okay, even though I'm look, like, looking off here. All right. All right. We'll do it this way. Um, I'm doing a, like, if I look over here, I think I'm looking at you in the eye, but it's like weird for me because I don't see you. Um, I'm doing a, uh, a wedding today. And um, so I should be talking about love. Uh, there, there's a lot of, and I will in a couple of hours. Um, but I don't want to give over the same tour I'm going to give at the wedding. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, to talk about uh, in the, in this week's parsha and in last week's parsha uh, around the theme of love. Um, starting with parsha uh, vetchanan we get this new idea, really, that we're supposed to love God. Now that's actually that's actually new. That I, that seems to be Moses's innovation that we ought to love God. Love has been spoken of primarily uh as as a sentiment that exists between people and suddenly moses says famously you should love the lord your god so there's a lot of love going on in in, in deuteronomy um love uh, that we are supposed to display to god god also loves us that's a that's a whole um world of of theology um to contemplate unto itself and i'll do so a little bit at the wedding today but um but today for our class in this week's Parsha, I want to talk about the other end of a certain spectrum and in um, and, and a topic that I think is a, a little more difficult for us, but an important one, if only because it's been placed in our tradition with this, on, on the same uh, level and with the same status as, uh, as, as, as the love of God, and that is the fear of God. Fear of God is as big a phrase, if not bigger, yirat Hashem, fear of God, if not bigger, than love of God. We have to love God, and we talk about it every every day in our Shema, but tradition tells us we also have to fear God, and that, after, you know, thousands of years of, you know, religious authority, uh, has traumatized, I think, most of us living in the modern world and and we recoil from the idea of fearing God. Um, and that's uh, what we're gonna try to figure out today. And I'm sure some of you have already thought deeply about it and what it means to, um, to rethink the term. Maybe, maybe fear isn't even the right word. Uh, we're gonna think about that today, but we're gonna ground it in one particular place in the Torah. That really seems to lean in to this idea that fear is what it's all about. Okay. Okay. So let's. Uh, and I and I am trembling with fear that this this setup is not going to work. So I'm I'm in the right I'm in the right uh, emotional state. So uh, let's uh, let's say a blessing and hopefully uh, this class will uh, will proceed uh, 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 as 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 some, somewhat usual. Okay. Say a blessing. Baruch Ata Blessing to, blessing to learn Torah, even when it's uncomfortable. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Okay, I see. I see folks in the chat now, um, already trying to solve the problem, and and good for you. You're you're well on your way. We'll consider some of these solutions. Um, but I want to get to especially one of the formulations that I think is most important for us to, to know and to hold and return to. And that's the formulation of the Ran, of, of of Girona. Um, um, and, and we'll get to that eventually. But first, and I, this is going to be the main challenge here is screen sharing. But let's see how I do on my, on my iPad here. So first of all, um, let's get to... Um, let us let me give you this, the source sheet. Okay, uh, cons- okay, that's good. I think, is that a link? Is that showing as a link? I think it is. Okay, good. So that's the, no, it is not. Okay, then some, will
1: somebody add the HTTPS to it and make it linkable?
0: So that's, that's like beyond my capacity right now. Can we get that? Okay, good. I right, thank you, Matt, appreciate you. Um, okay, so let's start and I, this is, let's see if this works, but this is my screen sharing uh, attempt right
1: now. Screen, and it takes a little longer. I'm gonna screen my broadcast. One two, Oh, okay, here we go. Okay, now, Ah, now you have that. Okay, do you see me here? Actually, now I can't see you. Yeah, you see can, me. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. All right, so here we are. This is the this is the verse that that really this is like when we talk of fear, and the word is yira, and I know that there are other translations for it, and we will get to them. But for now, I want to leave it as fear because it is the most common translation, and because it's the translation that that gets us. Uncomfortable that gets us wondering what this is all about, and what's happening in the in the book of Deuteronomy is that Moses is giving this um, this this long um, uh, exhortation more than anything else. He's retelling the story, and Deuteronomy is in Moses's voice, and we say he's we call it Mishnah Torah because he's telling the story of the Torah again, many of the laws of the Torah again, but a lot of Deuteronomy, a lot of it is. Um, is telling people how to move forward because these are the people that are going to move forward into the land of Israel. And so Moses is sort of desperately, you feel, trying to frame their their experience with a certain kind of consciousness. And it's here at the end of chapter 10 in in Deuteronomy, that Moses has been going on for a while and saying things like, Hero, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And saying things like, you were very bad you know, when you rebelled in the desert, and just giving them all kinds of messaging, but you're gonna be successful when you go into the land, and lots of, somewhere between inspiration and castigation. <laughs> and, and then, and, and the reason that we take note of this verse is because the opening to it is so, it is as if Moses is, has arrived at a certain point and, and is about to punctuate everything that he's been saying so far. Because he starts by saying and now, Israel," and now Israel, Israel, Yisrael. Elohecha mi'imach ki'im Hashem. And now, and now Israel, what does the eternal God ask of you? Ki'im, only this, to fear the eternal your God, that's the phrase, to fear the eternal your God, to walk in all of God's ways, to love and serve the eternal, your God with all your heart and soul. So there you, there you have it. It's love is in there. Love is in the mix. So we have not, whatever we're going to say about fear today, it's not something that exists separate for, from, um, or instead of loving God, you love God also, and you keep the the God, God eternal's commandments and laws, which I enjoin upon you today for your good. Okay. But there it is. The only, the only thing that God asks Uh, of us and it's very strange the way it's put Uh, what do i what am i asking now after all of this what is the most important thing it's almost like this is the point of it all the way moses phrases it although there are other ways to to think about that but um but the thing that that everything comes down to is fear of god okay so that's 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 the starting point is that The only thing that God asks you, the most essential thing, perhaps, that God asks of you is to fear God. Now, I want to start before we begin to complicate um, that translation, that idea. I want to start simply and just ask you, why might it be good to fear God? Why is that a good thing? Let's just let's not be modern and uncomfortable with it. Let's just say, oh, good, we should fear God. Let's not retranslate. Let's not do any of that yet. Let's just say it can be good to fear God because. Um, let's start with Alexander.
3: To me, it's interesting the order that those um, things that we are supposed to do: fear God, follow God's um, directions, and then love God is um, significant because I think the fear of God is sort of the first step to this spiritual journey that I think is being uh, delineated in the order of those three steps. And because without this initial fear of God, the total lack of understanding of God would not impel anybody to pursue knowledge and understanding of God. And so the fear of God is not that that is necessarily what we aspire to as the pinnacle of our spiritual journey. That's not necessarily the place of enlightenment, but it's a necessary first step and understanding that the power of God is something that can keep us, that we can really love and enjoy, or that we can, that that is not. It's not punishment, but to abnegate that relationship is torture that we inflict on ourselves. So this fear is the initial motivating force for the spiritual journey, in my opinion.
0: Great, 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 great. Okay, That is, Alexandra's doing a lovely job of just reading the verses and, you know, as we do with the Torah, remembering, sure, we've got this phrase to fear God, but it comes in the, in a context, it comes in a sentence. And there are words around it that like, are, par- are part of that context. And in fact, here, the words around fear of God, it's fear of God that, that actually comes first. And then there's a sequence. There's a sequence of various ideas here that you have to fear God, but also to walk in all of God's ways, to love and serve the eternal, your God with all your heart and soul, and to keep the commandments. And Alexandra says, what is fear then? Fear is the first step. Fear is the first step. Now." still we need to ask a follow-up question which is why is fear the first step what is it about so alexander was starting to describe that that maybe you simply can't get you're not going to commit yourself to something you're not going to be ready to really to walk in all god's ways this is a tall order and you're not going to get to the place ultimate where you can embrace love devote yourself to this god unless you start with a little bit of trembling you start Recognize, and I'm now. I'm, I'm trying to think what might that mean, and I'm, I'm asking that to you, but also answering it myself. Maybe, maybe it's important to recognize how powerful this force is, and to be afraid of it. To start there, that's the magnitude of it is something that you have to have to take in. But now I'm already in some ways answering uh, the 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 question that I'm asking. I mean, what do you think of that? Why why might fear be the first step in a sequence, Alexandra? is right and 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 I and I think she is reading the the verses um in a very in a very uh sharp way so let's turn now to Ellie. Ellie do you want to unmute yourself? Ellie we're waiting for you. Oh I, you see.
1: You? I see. I okay. you are.
2: I think When I see the word fear, it really gets your attention. And I think, not to be cynical, but I think human beings need to be, you need to get their attention. And after you get their attention with the word fear, then you can move on to love and to understand that the love is there too. And the fear is is kind of a, respect thing too it's not a tyrannical fear 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 like there's an enemy around Uh, but i really think it's to get the attention of the people and put their egos aside so they can love god
0: which is okay that's good that's a good answer ellie i like that that there's something it's precisely because fear makes us a little uncomfortable that the that the torah in this sequence, if Alexandra's right, that it's a sequence, so the, the Torah and Moses starts with fear as it, I love the way you put it Ellie, just to get their attention like this isn't, listen this is not we're not joking around here right so to to command fear to summon the idea of fear is to stop people in their tracks and to have them focus and pay attention and once they're once they're focused, then we can start to talk about other things it's like, it reminds me I used to teach elementary school and um, <laughs> you know what they say no no smiling until Christmas they don't say that in Jewish schools but that's like that that's uh, the phrase, right? no smiling wow. until Christmas because you you you're supposed to to create a sense of of authority in the classroom of discipline and you know what I did I said no way I'm gonna be a cool teacher and I'm just gonna hang out and make jokes the first day and they did not respect me for the rest of the year They just ran all over me so the, right. that old wisdom is right don't smile till Hanukkah so that's a little bit what Ellie's saying here. Is like, uh, let's establish a, a sense of gravitas here. Let's actually startle you a little bit, and then we can. Okay, now I now I have your attention. Okay, okay, I like that answer. All right, let's. I've got a lot of hands up. This is obviously a provocative topic. So let's let's keep moving through our our uh, our row of interpreters. Marla. Hi, um, I'm I'm on
2: right. Yes. Okay, first of, all, first of all, uh, Rabbi, you often take part of class to wish happy and healthy coming year to those who are celebrating, so we in turn wish that to you a happy birthday from this week. I'd oh, so, very nice. Uh, secondly, I, I want to play with the word fear a little. I'm one of those people who, man, yeah, I don't love the word fear, I'm more inclined toward awe, but having said that, um, when one enters into a relationship, at the beginning, there's like a little bit of fear. Will this work? Will I get knocked down on my feet? And so it takes a little bit of courage to overcome that fear and enter into a relationship. And I'm wondering if Yura in this case is have the courage, people, to enter into a relationship
0: with God. Okay. All right. In I don't other know. words, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you're saying here. In other words, a real and true, part of what's important for, for us to think about why, why would we fear God at all? Why part of what's important is to realize that a true, a true relationship, if we're really in relationship with God, then there's, there are parts of, of that, that, that comfort us, that are exciting, that draw us in. And then there are things that are difficult. There are things that are that are scary that are overwhelming. You know, when you think about our own loving relationships, they're not all love. Now hopefully we don't fear each other the way we would fear God, but there's a little there's there's difficulty and maybe there's a a little bit there's there's something scary about the whole the whole process. Am I saying that right, Marla, or do you want to add anything to that? Is that is that beautiful right? okay. beautiful. Okay. Okay. So um okay so it's, it's going to be impossible to get very far here. Uh, I, I'm like, no, trans, no other translations, fear, fear, fear. But Mar- Marla's already kind of opened the, the box and, and, it, and, and somebody's got to, right? So, so thank you, Marla, for bringing in other translations. And the most, mm, most uh, I think not just uh, one of the common alternate translations, but maybe the most accurate is awe. A-W-E, awe. And when I say the most accurate, I mean that um, I'm thinking of the German theologian, Rudolf Otto, um, who wrote uh, a book on holiness. And he talked about fear, yra, this word, and he's, you know, a European scholar. And so he said, among the European languages, the best translation for this is awe in the English. So that's good, that's good. That's, that seems like it wasn't even his own language, right? he was German. He's surveying the languages he knows, he's a European and he points to our word awe. So that's, that, So let's, let's bring that into the conversation as we continue to think about what is, what is, what is important, what is good about fear? Maybe um, it's easier to ask the question, what is, what is good about awe? Okay. What is good about being in a state of awe? Let's just. I want to. I want to. Um. I want to. Uh. Share with you something that the that Nachmanides says about all of this, which is. Um. Let's see. This screen sharing is making me nervous, but I think I can do it again. Okay. So let's see. I think now I'm. Uh, here we are. Okay. N- the Ramban Nachmanides does. Some of the work that alexandra was doing um in in connecting the various phrases in the verse and says something that i think is very much in the spirit of where we're at in this conversation the, what does the eternal your god ask of you only to fear god this is connected with the phrase in the next verse for your good that is god is not asking something from you that god needs but that you need it's all for your own benefit Right? And, he's, and he is referencing the last words here in, 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 in this, uh, second, this second verse. Right, So the first verse we have tells us to fear God, and then we go on to walk in all of God's ways and to love God. Alexander is sort of taking us through this sequence, and we end with letovlach. It's 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 for your good. So um, like Alexander, the Ramban is saying, oh, so it's not just fear for its own sake. There's something about this fear that's very good for you. It's very good for you. Okay, it's that sort of that's where we're at in our explanation as well. What about this fear might be not just a good thing for God or for the Torah or for the universe, but also for us. It's good to fear God. That's a good thing. Right. what do we what do we think of that? Leah Matsui? Oh, sorry to catch you up.
2: Um, I think it has something to do with Hashem and our spiritual maturity as as infants, and as we run out of out of Egypt, th- there's a kind of a self-centeredness, the way infants need to be self-centered. And then as we mature on the journey ready, we're poised to cross over. Um, there's maturity, and in maturity, I, I still struggle with it. But the truth is, we're not in charge. Mm. And there's a sense for me in awe of okay, who's the boss? You're not in control of this one, um, and that that makes me. Um, Frightened, it makes me in awe. It puts me in amazement, and it also stops me from um, impulsively doing—not always, but ideally—it stops me from doing things that I would later regret.
0: Okay, so maturity is 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 the the frame that that Leah is giving us, as as if to say, there's something about. An all love relationship with God—that's overly simplistic, naive, um, childish in a way. Though love is important, the Torah is commanding love. We're not—we're 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 not denigrating love of God in any way. But if you think that's all it is to be in relationship with God, you know, you just—you just don't get what's going on. This is a massive thing there's something you don't know you don't understand what you're in relationship with you don't know what the the implications are there you're so small and it's so big it, there's something terrifying about it there's just something at least what whatever whatever it is it's something more than just i love this i love 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 love. This. there's something more than that and and in order to to grow and to mature as 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 in our spiritual lives in our relationships with god we have to bring in uh, some of the some of that trembling awareness of the of the the magnitude of it all and the incomprehensibility of it all and you know when something is 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 is, is gigantic and incomprehensible that's scary that's scary Good. I, that's a great example, Ariella, of just what we were saying. And, and we can start to read these these two poles of love and fear and what they might indicate for different modes of relating to God. We can start to read that into the various scenes, episodes um, in the Torah. And you give us a great example. Nadav and Avi who offered a strange fire and consumed by... They did something wrong in the temple and a fire came forth and consumed them. One way of thinking about that is, is that they, they wanted so desperately to be close to God that they rushed in at a time when it was too dangerous, at a time that it wasn't prescribed. That there's some, we've talked about this many times before, we've often called it the third rail experience. That there's some, they should have been fearful, appropriately fearful of the power that might come out of the tabernacle. And so to rush in like that, out of love, perhaps out of love, was disaster. And then, you know, to give a, 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 a converse example, around Mount Sinai, there's the warning again and again and again to keep people back, keep them back. Don't let them get too, cl- too close, lest they be damaged, not because God doesn't like it when people get close, not because you have to respect me, I'm God, but because it's dangerous. And that's the experience that the people have after they witness God at Mount Sinai, which is you go and talk to God, we are, we don't want to talk to God anymore, Pen-namut, lest we die. Lest we die. That's the, that's part of the feeling that they had at the greatest moment of revelation that our tradition records, is a sense that this could be just too much. Right. And I think, you know, when I think about Yirata Romamut, this phrase that the Ran gives us, this fear of exaltedness and the word awe that we are associating with it. I think about the Grand Canyon. You know, like the vastness and the, the magnitude of that is breathtaking. It's inspiring, but it's also terrifying. And then when you peek over, you see why it's terrifying. Like that one wrong move. And you're gone. And right now, what you're doing is you're appreciating one of the most beautiful spectacles that nature offers us. But one false step, and you're not appreciating anymore. You're gone, right? So that is also, I think, part of what we're what we're grappling with here. Okay, Um, I'm going to keep moving through. This is, uh, you know, this is. It turns out to be such a great topic that I don't I don't have to do a lot of teaching. Everybody's got something to say about it. But there is one more question that I want. I want to bring to our attention because it is a very classic question or 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 we'll turn it into a question it's a statement that the Talmud uh, gives on this verse very famous statement that the Talmud gives on the verse and it raises a question and the question is I'll I'll give you the question first then we'll take a look at the Talmud the question is why do we have to be commanded to fear God yeah Why is this a commandment? So let me let me show you the the very famous and I think very um, very intriguing statement here in the Talmud. And I'll never do this on my tablet again, but thank God it's it's working out okay. Okay, <laughs> this is the. Can mm, I get it out there? Um, here from the Talmud in Brachot, this one right here. Rabbi Chanina said, "Hakol bidei Everything is, is in the hands of heaven. God controls everything. <laughs> Except for the fear of heaven. Okay, very famous phrase from the Talmud. And our verse is the proof text. And as it says, and now Israel, what does the eternal God ask of you? Only this, to fear the Lord, your God. So that the Talmud turns into um, this principle, this, sort of strange theological principle that God is all powerful and God can control everything. God, everything's in the, I, I, it says in the hands of heaven. So maybe you'll want to translate that differently, but I'm translating that as that God is in charge of everything. God can control everything, but there's one thing that God can't control. And that's the fear of heaven. That is, and that's why the Torah needs to ask you. And, it, and it's picking up, especially on the language. Like, what is God asking of you? What does God ask of you? Just this, just one thing. I, I can do everything by myself and I need you to do one thing and that is to, to, fear, to fear me, to be in awe of me, to whatever, whatever version of it that we've, we've been churning through you want to use. So let me ask that question as we come to a close. Why does God have to, what does the Talmud mean here? That God doesn't control our fear of God and that God in a sense has to
1: has to ask for it. Okay. Mark Strunan. The rabbis valued free choice and free will. And I think the purpose of this verse is to underscore that ultimately a human being has the free will to choose. And in this case, to be awed by God, and if you are free to choose, it means you can obligate yourself to the mitzvot, to the commandments and to benefit from the underlying values and way of life and uh, justice and morality that the commandments possess. But you can't benefit if you're forced. A slave is never a slave, a slave never really benefits, but people Good. with free will do. And Good. this this re, verse reinforces our sense of we have free will. Great. that Beautiful,
0: Mark. Beautiful. And I think that's, you're getting right at the crux of the problem, which is that if we really were just terrified of God and we served God out of that terror, there would be something meaningless about it. That there... Yeah, here we are trying to summon this state of fear, of punishment of exaltedness, and it's a religious virtue. And we should, and we should recognize how great God is. We should. What you'd be a fool not to follow God's God's commandment. And yet, if that was the way this all worked, this would this religion would be meaningless because we would just be slaves. We'd just be, But not even slaves, automatons. We're just doing what we have to do because, you know. The, the master said so, and that's, there's something wrong with that formula. And as Mark puts it, the, the, the lack of free will is, 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 is what, what makes that a, a kind of a meaningless religious life. And so, and so what, right? And so like, let's try to finish now that, so Marx identified the problem. So, so instead what we have to do is to choose to be in all, to choose fear. To choose to be enough to, we have agency over whether we can tune in to that. But we do have, it seems to me, the option to tune out, and that's part of what Thalma is saying here. Okay, let's see where we're at. Let's take a one last. uh, Maybe we can get a couple in, but uh, let's uh, take a thought from um, Regina. Yeah, we lost Regina in the very moment. In the very moment uh, of her calling, what came she's,
1: to, what came to mind and she's
0: back.
2: Laws of Kashrut, it's an act of faith. Mm. And for me, when I was thinking about in the very beginning of the class, that um, it's a reminder. It's always a reminder of who I am. And um, so this fear, uh, it's a constant reminder keeps us on track of where we are. Um, but that you know, Kashrut is is an act of faith. There's no exact reason for it. But I know, being kosher, I'm 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 wholly aware wherever I go in the world, and whatever I do.
0: So. That's interesting, right? That there, there's some there's some uh, expressions of our religious life that would flow naturally from love, like there's something maybe prayer. Uh, maybe you know living a righteous life if we can understand things oh that that would that seems like oh um our love of god would affirm them but there's some things that maybe we need a little a little fear of in order to in order to get on board because you know we get we have to as laura said we have to trust so this is this is a little beyond us okay that's good all right that, I, that gives... I,
1: I, no i just made a
2: comment on in the chat because you were talking about prayer last um week and so Was is prayer a state of love and fear at the same time? You know, you were telling, what is prayer? You know, how do you get to that state? And I was just wondering um what that meant.
0: Yeah, I mean are you in a state
1: state of fear at all?
0: All I can say there is that I think I think we ought to play around in our religious lives, um, in our prayer lives with these two different modalities because there are religious traditions that would emphasize love above all. And that's, that's the religious modality. There are religious traditions that would emphasize fear above all. And um, this is a religious tradition that wants, every time we speak of love, to have fear as the kind of, um, as the shadow in the background. And every time we think about fear, to have love as the light in the background, that we don't ever forget that these two things go together. Um, that um, gives me the opportunity to close with a really perfect, uh, or with a really beautiful, uh, uh, there's a really beautiful piece here that we've had more of a free flowing discussion today, perhaps because I'm on my tablet and a little scattered myself. But, um, but um, So we've sort of been jumping around, but I did want to share uh, one last beautiful, uh, 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 one last beautiful piece of text with you. And that's from the Chaim. Um, A uh, an 18th century Moroccan uh, might be 19th century 18th century Moroccan uh, commentator, and he says uh, on this verse, "What does the eternal your God ask of you? Only this: to fear God." And he says, "Fear provides an opening to enter into the gate of love." That's why when the verse says, "What does God ask of you?" it very specifically starts by saying, "And now." Meaning, when God asks for you to fear, that's now in this moment. But for you, to take, for you to take the yoke of God upon you. But this is not the ultimate goal God wants. Rather, this is what will bring you up into the realm of love. Is that, is that great or what? I mean, is that, is that a beautiful, that's a beautiful piece. Um, but what he's also doing is exactly what Alexandra, our first um, interpreter did, which is to remember that love is in that verse as well. That there's a sequence and he, like Alexandra, like so many of you, see these things as connected. And so as we start to think about and let's leave thinking about Regina's question, well, what do we do then? Would we approach our religious lives with a a joyous sense of love or with a, 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 a fear and trembling? And do we approach God in our prayers with one or another of those modalities. I just, all I can say is that they're both there. They're both supreme values that are in some kind of conversation with one another in our tradition. And I encourage you to, to try to experiment with both of them. And maybe one, if the Orachaim is right, one can end up being the portal to the other. One can end up being the gate to the other. So, um, so I leave you to, to do some spiritual experimentation. Thanks for your patience with me um in in, uh, in this format um i will i will be away for the next two weeks um so i'm i'm going on vacation for the next two weeks but i'm going to have there are going to be substitute uh substitute teachers for the classes i don't have them lined up just yet so i'm not going to announce who they are but um but but we're going to have that we're going to have class so come back next week if you want to study some parsha and i'll be uh, i'll be on vacation i'll see you all again on september 9th Okay, bye everyone. Thanks for your patience. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I wanna thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor Vera Blossom for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So, if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.